Before I get started on today's Morecast, I'd like to talk to you about Lineshut Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blakenwazi, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. Do you like wine? Do you like the experience of tasting wine? Do you like whites, reds? Do you like pinots? Do you like, you know, Cabernet? Do you like Rieslings? Do you just like plain old white wine? What they have there will fit what your palate desires. Uh, it's a great experience. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, the, where their location is in the dairy block is fantastic. Uh, if you just want to go out with some friends and just experience, some, have a couple glasses of wine and have a great conversation, that is the place for you. If you want to have other, do other things, buy a bottle of wine. They will more than help you out. Uh, Blanchard Family Wines is a great experience uh, with their own vineyards located in the Russian River Valley in California. Uh, they also have a Facebook and Instagram if you want to check them out. They've got a bunch of goings on on there that, they, that you would like to probably see. Um, outside of that, uh, they are located on a, between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. When you go in there, tell them Jeff from CSU Podcast sent you. What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining me on this latest C- Mortcast for the CSU Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. This is a CSG special on the movie Dawn of the Dead. And if that quote at the beginning of the podcast didn't uh, tip you off already. Uh, Dawn of the Dead is an interesting um, movie, as it is probably the... Uh, the, the, the best way to put it is that it is the first modern interpretation of the zombie. Um, I think of the zombie movie. Um, The Night of the Living Dead did it, but it wasn't defined in the same way it was in Dawn of the Dead. Um, Here's a little bit of a backstory. Dawn of the Dead kind of came from an idea uh, a friend of uh, George Romero's said about, you know, he could survive in a mall um, if there was some sort of zombie outbreak. And I don't think George Romero ever really intended to go, to revisit um, the zombie series. Uh, he had done a movie called The Crazies, which is a spinoff, a kind of a take on the zombie thing. But that movie was about... Uh, military control and uh, the military industrial complex. Um, This is a little, this was different. And uh, George Romero kind of took the idea that his friend said and said, I could make a movie out of that. And uh, the production development, as far as script will go, went, went from there uh, and, and to idea. The, the unfortunate part of Romero at the time though the Crazies, his movie as that I just aforementioned, uh, bombed. And uh, he really wasn't at a high end as a director. He was an independent director and uh, kind of like John Carpenter. In fact, uh, he and John Carpenter share a, a bunch of similarities. 
uh, as uh, the way their movies came about and the way they preferred to uh, operate. And by 1977, uh, no one wanted to take on this movie, primarily because of the violence. But some of it is due to the fact that no one really had that. Romero's reputation wasn't tremendous at that point in time. Uh, until he'd met Dario Argento, who was a, uh, if you ever seen the movie Suspiria, um, about the witches, uh, that is, uh, not the remake, but the original one in the seventies, that was Dario Argento. It was, uh, he was a producer and he was a big fan of the original Night of the Living Dead. Um, he hooked up with, uh, uh George Romero and, those two hatched the idea and the, the, the financing and the, the way this thing kind of um, came about was a compromise wherein George Romero would have the final cut editing cut for the American audiences or the English speaking audiences, I guess, which was include England and Australia um, and uh, other countries and Argenta would have the final cut for other countries, leading to this movie eventually having five or six different cuts of varying degrees, anywhere between um, 10 to 15 minutes difference in time, running time. The cut that made it to the United States, that was uh, the theatrical version, uh, was I considered to be the definitive cut, because the other cuts, I don't know if they really add anything. Um... When you come to the movie, uh, the, the Argento gave um, George Romero a $1.5 million budget, which was pretty you know, stingy <laughs> for a budget, even in 1978. Uh, it, it really was a very, very small budget, but George Romero works very well under small budgets. And uh, he knows how to use friends of his and locals who want to be extras as zombies, all that stuff. And really, this movie lent itself to a claustrophobic atmosphere. And the $1.5 million budget, I would wager that most of that went to the practical effects and makeup that was headed by uh, Tom Savini, um, uh, George Romero's longtime uh, friend and uh, collaborator as far as the makeup goes. So we come to the movie being filmed. It uh, was actually pretty smooth, even though they had to take like a month-long break because it was filmed during Christmas, basically, and the mall was a functioning mall. So they had to stop and for continuity's sake because of the Christmas decorations and all that. Movie gets done uh, and, it, and it is released first in Italy and then the United States, I think about four or five months later. Uh, it did well overseas. Uh, in fact, this movie uh, made George Romero more money than uh, the actually more successful Night of the Living Dead because of the public domain rights issues with uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead. If we're talking about plot, the movie is extremely basic. And it's it's one of those things where I, I, always, I always talk about uh, when I talk to my friends about these movies, I say, like, it's best when it has a simple plot, but things happen around it. Um, you have, like, a planet, and there's a bunch of things orbiting around it. Um, and I think 
I think the overarching theme of consumerism, which lends itself really great to malls uh, in the 70s and 80s, uh, was perfect for the time. Um, there's a lot, there's probably some of you millennials who are reading, or excuse, reading this, yeah, you're reading the podcast, who are listening to this right now, who don't probably have a full grasp of how big malls were. Uh, in the 70s and 80s, and even into the mid-90s. Uh, they were huge. They were the con- they were the place where teens generally would congregate. It was just a place for everyone to go to see the shops. I mean, I, I, the death of the mall is in, in its role in uh, American um, consumer culture uh, is another complete story. But at the time this was filmed... Nothing symbolized consumerism more than the mall, the shopping mall. Giant concrete edifices that took up a huge area. For those of you in Denver, you got to remember Cinderella City, a mall so huge that it was sinking. That it was literally sinking into the ground and they had to condemn it. I lived right across the street from Cinderella City. I... There are play, there there are, there are malls were just giant symbols of consumerism, and George Romero took perfect um, advantage of it. There's only basically four characters in the movie: um, Stephen, Peter, Roger, and Francine. Um, those are the characters that take up most of the screen time in this two-hour-long movie, and it really. Basically, is them versus a horde of zombies, then later a biker gang and all that stuff. But really, this truly was about four characters in a claustrophobic situation. What would happen if every if you are holed up in a situation where you have everything at your fingertips? What if that becomes not good enough? And that is the question that permeates the movie. What if everything we have is at our fingertips and it's not good enough? And we can't protect ourselves. It's a, it, like I said, it's a fascinating exploration of, of isolation, uh, get, like holding yourself up, and the, the consumerism. And uh, the movie, excuse me, the game Dead Rising that came out in the mid-2000s actually did a really good job of kind of extending on out on the ideal of holding up in a mall when you can't remove all those zombies from the mall. Um, and I think that this one with, with, uh, Dawn of the Dead in 1978, it was them successfully getting the zombies out of the mall, but being surrounded by them. And what if what you, where you're at wasn't enough. It was, it was really, it, it really is the definitive zombie movie. If I'm going to put any zombie movie at the top, it has to be Dawn of the Dead. Um, now, you look back on it, any, any one of you looking back on this now um, will probably see this movie now, especially those who aren't familiar with how big malls were, those who were like not familiar with practical effects or all of that. I, I can understand you looking at this at Dawn of the Dead and not being scared. I'm not scared when I watch it. And not understanding it and thinking it's cheesy. I completely understand you. It is a cheesy movie. Uh, it is shot on a $1.5 million budget. They did what they could with it. But the underlying themes of the movie, even though it is a long for a zombie movie, two hours long, um, 
the underlying themes of the movie were, I think, extremely effectively portrayed. Now, there was a remake of the movie in 2004, and I, I debated back and forth about talking about the remake because Zack Snyder, who directed it, took it in a different direction. Um, I believe he took what um, 28 Days Later um, started, which really the the the, the character the, the the quote zombies are not zombies in in uh, Twenty Eight Days Later they ra- they're rage infected people okay um, but he took the zombie thing and uh, from that and turned it into what you saw in Dawn of the Dead which was running zombies um, there's some debate about whether that is good or not um, George Romero didn't like it uh, but I think. Dawn of the Dead is good in its own merits in a certain way. Um, the remake. But the original Dawn of the Dead really set the tone. And it became the zombie movie from which everything else sprung. There was a movie that uh, I believe Dario Argento had actually... Uh, in, in other countries, um, Dawn of the Dead was called Zombie. Um, in a couple other countries. George Romero took the the zombie not George Romero Dario Argento took the whole zombie thing and I believe he produced another movie called Zombie Z O M B I uh and uh that was an Italian zombie film and uh kind of sprung from there and then you got Day of the Dead in 1985 and uh Return of the Living Dead which is where the whole brain eating brains thing came from comes from but Everything else springs from not Night of the Living Dead, but Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead is the one that set the template. And to me, it is a perfect example of social commentary uh, in, inside a horror movie. And, and really, zombies and George Romero really thought of it this way, were perfect ways to project humanity. You can project whatever you want to talk about onto a zombie because they're a blank slate. Um, and this is true. Um, while the uh, racial justice aspect of uh, the Night of the Living Dead was a bit more subtle than um, Dawn of the Dead, it was still a social commentary uh, and, and an effective one in hindsight. Dawn of the Dead kind of bludgeoned you over the head with it. Um, there is a scene after you know later in the movie where you see zombies like on an ice rink um, and walking through the mall. Uh, kind of mimicking things that they did when they were alive, which was I thought was a, 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 an effective touch with that with that uh, uh, kind of emphasizing the consumerism and how people were so into consumerism that they just that the, their their dead bodies were still consuming. Uh, really, truly, it is a great great movie that even though if you are just kind of if if you're someone who doesn't get the whole mall thing or just thinks it's cheesy try to transport your mind back to 1978 and think of that and think of what would you would think of back then having watched this movie having spent a ton of time at the mall think of stranger things in nine you know which is set in the last season i think was set in 1985 or 86 think about those kids there and holding yourself up at the mall. There's a movie theater there. You have everything. You have all your amenities. Think of that. Kind of project that out. Because that is what malls were. So, 
Thank you all for joining me on the latest uh, CSG special. I hope you like this one. Uh, next uh, CSG special should be. Actually, I'm going to try to get this one up in a couple days. Um, we'll see based on my own uh, time frame right now, but that's what I'm going to try to do. And, then, of course, the regular CSGs will be going on as usual. I thank you all for joining me, and I will talk to you later. Goodbye.